0: science exercise nutrition health energy passion one year no beer this is the one year no beer podcast where you will find all the latest tips tricks and hacks for a way to live better
1: today's guest is richard crowley richard is an alcohol-free superstar, an adventurer, a legend. And he's off on a little trip across America, just him and his bike to connect, to talk about wellness, to talk about well-being, to spend time and hear the stories of his fellow Americans and do something a bit different, a bit adventurous for a 28-year-old that only two years ago decided to go alcohol free his life has fundamentally changed because he's got that awareness he's got that interest that meaning that purpose that is flooding him and inspiring him to do something different and i think you're really going to enjoy this podcast welcome how hey, you doing
0: i am i'm great i am i'm so excited um this is going to be such a fun conversation
1: yeah so where are you based exactly
0: so right now i'm in los angeles california and I've been based here since December of 2018, so it's approaching a seven-month anniversary soon.
1: Yeah, cool. And uh, you've obviously got this this big ride coming up, but we'll come to that in a yeah. second. So I just thought we'd just kick it off, right? How did you reach that point? What was the sort of the, the genesis, the backstory to get you to this place where you're thinking, do you know, what? I'm going to go and do this big thing?
0: Yeah it it a couple of years ago, I had an idea. That I wanted to bike across the country and was just going to do it quietly, not tell anyone work got in the way relationships got in the way. And they're like, Oh, a dream deferred. Then the next year didn't think about it. And last year I was like, you know what, this could be a great way to move to California. But the timing was a little late. It was August. I didn't want to bike through cold October. So I revisited the idea this year and it really made a lot of sense. It made a lot of sense with timing and it made a lot of sense with the why I'm doing this. And the why is throughout this bike ride, any message and any audience member that sees it, I want them to understand I'm riding because I want individuals to invest in their own wellness. But I also want to pro- promote the idea that wellness is much more accessible than we've been marketed to you know it doesn't always need to be the expensive class or the going out to dinner it's like wellness can be as simple as getting some great sleep speaking to yourself a certain way living in community eating some plants moving naturally go for a walk a bike or a run and that's something where I I didn't want people to say oh I can't be healthy because I don't have the tricked out bike and biking shoes. I don't have the best new shoes. I don't, I can't afford going to this restaurant. Um, So in an effort to promote that, I wanted to do something that also jumped off the screen, meaning we can share as much as we want on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, but I also wanted to do something to get to know my country and my neighbors better and have those conversations through rural Pennsylvania, through Kansas, through Northern Utah. I've never spoken to those individuals about wellness and there's no better way to do it than to just pedal right on through their communities.
1: Oh, I love it. I mean, it's such a great idea. And even just picking up on a couple of things you said there, we run a mastermind course here and the six pillars behind that are all the things that you're talking about. Sleep, mm-hmm. you know, nutrition, exercise, movement, quiet time, connection, and reducing or transforming your relationship with alcohol. And none of that stuff costs... Any money right? but this is where the real wellness comes from.:
0: It costs nothing. and if anything, it will save you money in the long run. You know it'll yeah. save you 20 years from now, 30 years from now, when you're healthier. But also in the short term, specific, I really believe in the two parts that will increase productivity and creativity are sobriety and meditation. It's being a young, like now 28 years old and about two years sober and two years into meditation. I couldn't have thought of everything and been this productive and consistent day after day without reaching overwhelming stress or burnout, things like that. So that, that, what, what that can do in the short term for your business or for your goals or your relationships, it's, it all makes so much sense. Like how everything gets amplified when you just make the decision to invest in your wellness. And like you said, it's so affordable
1: well and the thing is lives are getting so busy that these simple things right, because sleep is simple, good nutrition is simple, connection simple it's becoming more and more difficult to do the simple things. And it's the simple things that make all the difference. And this is what it is. I think when you take a break from alcohol, you start meditating or whatever it is, you actually start to see the world a bit differently. Again, things start to slow down just a little bit. So actually you can connect with the things that make a difference. Everyone's chasing the latest and greatest, as you said, like the tricked out, you know, bike shoes or the best bike or whatever it is, or I can't do it because of this or that. But ultimately it's these simple things and people need to slow down to see that. And I think by taking a break from alcohol or meditation, as you mentioned, both of those things, they're a brilliant way to, to allow that to happen.
0: And do you think, I personally do, I see it's like there's these pressures to keep up with the times, You know, the pressure to go out to that party, the pressure to get that new gadget, the pressure to watch that new show on Netflix one weekend as opposed to going out and being in nature. But it's the pressure is not always in aligned with what your true values are. You know, if you ask someone like, "Hey, if you had an ideal weekend, what would it be?" and someone might say, "Oh, I'd love to have dinner with my family, go for a walk, get a great deep 10-hour sleep." But then 3 days later, Saturday hits, And it's oh, I'm going to brunch. Then we're gonna day drink at this party, and then maybe go out to this late dinner till three a.m. And then on Sunday, I'm just gonna order food in off Uber Eats and watch some TV. And then oh, Monday will hit, and I'll have the like the Monday the Sunday scaries or the Monday hit. And it's like the the alignment is not there. You know exactly what you want to be doing, but you compromise yourself and your values to do other stuff because. It's these pressures from maybe a friend group or something, but we all have the ability to cultivate the courage to make that bold decision and say, no, what, I really want to do what I want to do. And one thing that like in my journey with sobriety and kind of making these unpopular decisions when you're 26 years old, I did have, well, I won't, I won't even call it a consequence because it was, Incredible, but I had to adjust friend group or at least be firm and say, "Hey, I still love you guys. I love you guys so much, but please don't feel like it's an indictment of you and your lifestyle when I continuously decline the invitations to these all-day beer drink festivals that we go to. You know, like don't don't think that I'm upset at you for going, just know that I don't want to do that. It is not in my best interest. And that's, that's a really hard decision. It's a hard decision to kind of stray from the herd.
1: Yeah, so there's a couple of things in there and it's so true. I think what happens for so many people, firstly, they don't give themselves the time to find out what their real values are and align with them. And secondly, I think unless we focus on them almost daily, we forget so quickly, don't we? We get dragged up in the next lunch and dinner, social pressure, whatever it is, and actually, we move farther and farther away from the things that really matter to us. And like you said, when people give themselves a bit of space and a bit of time, they go, actually, do you know what I really enjoy? I really enjoy going for a walk, being in nature, connecting my family. It's like, why don't you do it then? Oh, yeah, because I will go to this party. And it's not until you start to like, get that space. And mo- genuinely, most people don't stop for long enough to figure that stuff out. But when they do, it's magical. And I think all of this comes back to the alcohol thing as well. And I see it through the masterminds and whatnot that I run. When people come to it, they have a break from alcohol. They get that space and go, ah, this is what I really like. This is what I really want to do. Then they get a chance to align with it. It's really cool. But in your example, on this is what I'm interested in, did you decide proactively to take a break from alcohol or was it a quote unquote sort of problem as such? Yeah. Or was it like, oh, um, well, right.
0: I will, I'll consider my sobriety elective sobriety. Yeah, But I also do believe that alcohol use is on the spectrum that that we all talk about. And there are definitely moments in my life where I was abusing, misusing alcohol and dependent on it, being like, oh, I need alcohol to become myself at this party. But I I could also take that step back and say, no, I'm not going to drink tonight. I'll have one beer. I'll have one Moscow mule or something and then go home. But why I decided to do it was, it was a complete, completely inhibiting my goals. It was just yeah. making me defer everything because of wasted time, wasted energy, you know, going out on a Thursday night and then all day Friday, not being productive at work and just looking forward to the weekend. So that then you can go out and drink more and I started seeing I had a notebook where I put all my ideas in what I want to do what I want to build and create and someone called me out on and they're like how come you're just not doing that like why are you not going after any of those things I was like "Yeah, it's you're right so I decided I was like you know what alcohol is definitely one thing that I'm wasting probably 20 to 30 hours a week when you think of extra sleep or late mornings, going out at night where I could be using that time for other things. Um, And there was also the confrontation with, you know, is this healthy? Is this behavior healthy for me? Because when I drink alcohol, I then compromise what I like to eat. And then the next day, not only do I have a hangover, but I have a food hangover and I don't want to then work out, but I wanted to work out at 8 a.m. Now it's 1130 and I'm just like going like this and waking up. So it, it all snowballed. Um, but yes. also with the, there's, there's definitely the moments when I'm like, oh, I did some really stupid shit with like drinking and driving or going out and on a Saturday night and being like, oh, I'm finally getting home on Monday. And just like, because it was fun. It was, it was a lot of fun, but it's just, you know, what I, without it, life is so much better.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I, I think as a 26-year-old, or you've just described probably yeah. the, the the average person's relationship with alcohol as a 26-year-old or as a 30-year-old. You know, it's just what we do, right? So it's that moderate, sometimes average, sometimes heavy, sometimes, you know, off the scale, you do silly things. And then you come back to that moderate again. It's it's in that spectrum. So I think it's really powerful. And I love these stories because this, again, is moving us away from this sort of box scenario of People only stop drinking when they've had some sort of horrible rock moment, whereas I didn't, you know, very like yourself. It was just, it was holding me back from achieving my goals and my dreams. And once I figured that out, then it became so much easier because I was like, hold on, this thing is taking all my time. It's taking all my energy. I feel lethargic. It's getting in the way of my productivity and my motivation I think he's got to go and then once I started to connect those dots it became so much easier and then like you you come out the other side of that and go hold on now instead of you writing down in that notebook all these wonderful dreams and these goals that you have they're starting to happen they start to come alive and that is super powerful
0: we we encourage our friends to leave toxic relationships we encourage our friends to leave the toxic workplace but we don't encourage someone to leave another toxic relationship, which is the way you're living. And the number one, I'll say unanimous toxic relationship that is is really harmful to most of my peers is their relationship to alcohol. It's, yeah. it, you, you could, you could create this like pro and con list of alcohol and the pros might be, you get around your friends, but, the news flashes there, there's a lot of ways to get around your friends and you, you can invite them over for dinner, for a hike, for tea, for yoga, for a walk. There's plenty of things to do. But the cons are they start the moment alcohol might touch, touch someone's lip. You know, you may say something silly. You may act silly. You may become rude. You may then compromise a the relationship you're in. You may embarrass yourself. You may injure yourself. It's like, you tell me like weigh that that cost-benefit analysis, and it's just, it's really not worth it. <laughs>
1: no, and that's, and for you as well, I think to to find that, uh, you know, in your mid-20s is, again, going to be like a superpower for you because, yeah. you know, not that it's about gaining an advantage, but I think many of your peers, as you say, will be wasting a lot of their extra time and their energy just going out and doing the same thing over and over, and you you hit on a really great point there. There are other ways to achieve the exact same rewards of friendship and connection and laugh and fun and meeting, you know, girls and boys and all that sort of stuff without alcohol. And I think what happens quite quickly because we come to it so young, we don't figure that out. So we don't learn, we don't train ourselves to be social without it. So it becomes like this wrench that we have to hang on to for dear life until someone comes along like yourself and does something that blows everyone's mind, right? Because I'm sure a lot of your friends are looking at you going, how does he do that? How can he possibly like be happy or be having fun and be vibrant and not drink? Like for me, I, I used to meet people that didn't used to drink when I was drinking and I couldn't, my brain wouldn't compute it. I was like, how can they possibly be happy and have fun without alcohol? And I think it needs people like yourself to mix it up a bit because then people start to question their own relationship. And guess what? I guarantee it's probably happened already, but lots of your friends have either taken a break, slowed down, or will probably join you. I think that's super cool.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of private conversations being had Mm. when a friend calls and says, hey, I I gotta get sober. They're like, I gotta stop using alcohol and using drugs. And you wrote, an article about a year and a half ago and I just want to talk to you about it because I see how you live and you look even happier than when we were partying together. And those conversations I have all the time in the world for, you know, I will meet someone wherever, call them wherever. I'll fly to someone to have that conversation because of the gift that choosing sobriety has given me. What's, What's been interesting is the first four or five months, I, it was, my social life was very quiet because I didn't want to tempt myself. And also friends were like, oh, he doesn't, he's not interested in hanging out with us. But it's like, hey, I can still go to a bar to watch a game with you. I'll just drink water or maybe have a ginger ale. I don't need to have the six Bud Lights. And where I came from is interesting, too, because similar to you, I played professional sports. And alcohol is definitely a big part of professional sports. It's you celebrate with alcohol and you also lose with alcohol (laughs) to to get to that next day. And that's a community that still, I haven't heard as many stories or had as many conversations with, but I know in time it will come. Um, But yeah, there's a lot of private conversations and there's, There's one thing you said too that really was interesting about relationships and a lot of people using, hey, I'll go talk to that girl. Let me just have a drink first. Or I'll ask him or her on a date, but let me just take this shot. And it's like this courage through alcohol. But what I have found is now every word I speak and every action I take has intention and I'm completely in control of it. No longer do I wake up and say, what did I say? Or is this truly, it's, it's maybe what I want, but it's like, it's a loose, loose lip conversation or my actions are a little bit, they're for the wrong reasons there. And it's really incredible to now for the past almost two years, wake up every single day and be like, yeah, I know every single conversation I had last week, last month. I, and it it is so intentional. It's intentional if it's, Hey, I need to step away from this and I'm not going to just be like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's like, I'll be firm there, but also on the positive side where it's like, yes, I do want to work on that with you. Yes. I will call you tomorrow at 10 AM and to be able to follow up and have that, to be known for that is much better than being known for the guy who will probably like be the first to get the shots and take the shirt off.
1: Yeah, exactly. And as you said, like when you become your authentic self like that, you're superpowered. Like, as you say, when you make new relationships, whether that's like and you're still dating or whatever it is, to have the courage to make that first move, like you've done that your own, right? That's come from inside you. That's like this deep, authentic confidence that's untouchable. Whereas, whilst you're always drinking to get that confidence, there's always that association I can't do it. I can't go and ask that person out. I can't make that first move unless I've had a certain amount of alcohol on board but you bulldoze through that you crush all those limiting beliefs it's a total game changer and then you get consistent like you say it it all compounds and i want to come back to what was your professional sport so i played ice hockey oh cool so you're a bruiser that's a tough sport
0: (laughs) i was not one of the more physical guys but i definitely did get hit in a couple of fights
1: oh nice yeah you, you had the finesse See, yeah, that was me. I used to run around and just kick everyone and give the, give the ball to the good <laughs> That's what I used to play. But you know what's changing in sport now? It's really interesting. Um, that At the end, when we win one of our cups, it's, I don't know if it's the same in the US, it probably is, but the tradition is you get out of champagne. Mm-hmm. So champagne, everyone, like, a bit like they're doing Formula One, they, they throw the champagne. But just recently, the FA, which is like the big body, um, sporting body in soccer over in the UK, um, changed the champagne for alcohol-free champagne. Wow. which I thought was really cool because, yeah, they said a lot of players don't drink. So, um, And some have religious reasons, but in general, yeah. a lot of these younger athletes now don't drink, right? So they're like, well, I don't want to swig on a load of champagne. I, I choose not to. So it's quite refreshing that it's starting to come into wish I
0: sport. wish I could go back in time and like have this type of mindset when I'm 16 or 17. And yeah. because the effect of alcohol on the body and just – Training, training all week to then just set myself back. And it's like every week for eight or nine, eight or nine years, I just sometimes imagine like, what if that is, you know, if I didn't have alcohol in me, if I could wake up and be consistent and be that athlete every single day and allow my body to recover and not just take a sledgehammer to it one or two nights a week.
1: I mean, it's amazing, really. And you said the key word that it's consistency, isn't it? Consistency in everything. consistent in how you train, how you act, how you perform, your emotions. Because that's what alcohol destroys. It's like dropping in a grenade every once or twice a week. And everything goes bang. Diet goes out the window. Training goes out the window. Relationships can go out the window because you can't like manage the fact that you're tired and emotional, all those type of things. But talking about body, I'm just thinking about a couple of your Instagram posts that involve... Flowers. What's that all about?
0: The flowers or the dancing or the flower one? I'm seeing you both with nothing on. The video. Okay. So this I I think this comes to it is it's related to alcohol because in order to choose sobriety and really own it, I have to be comfortable with myself. I have to be Mm. comfortable with every single dinner. Or every time a waiter or a waitress offers you, hey, so what do you want to drink? I'm just going to have water. Or if you ask a bartender for water, or you go to a party and you decline the alcohol, I had to be comfortable with myself in why I'm declining that and not feel attacked or embarrassed. That ability to be comfortable, I relate with being vulnerable. You know, being able to have the conversation and say, I am 26 years old, I am imperfect, but I believe that removing alcohol is going to make me better what I want to be doing. So vulnerability became this conversation in my head. And I started recognizing and observing through conversation, mostly how men are speaking to each other about others or to themselves. And it's like this very, we, I can't show any emotion. I have to be so ma- this machoism, and you can't let your guard down. So, I wrote a letter to myself just to my body about everything like when I had eczema, when I've had different shapes of body, how I use my body, was I attractive to women, and this whole conversation about how I spoke to myself. So I then went in the backyard and I set up the camera and I thought it would be just funny to like slowly undress while reading the the letter to myself and just created like a seven day body series about it. And yeah, I finished with just, <laughs> just a house plant in front of me. <laughs> I
1: thought it was genius. It just cracked me up just visually. I thought it, it was really entertaining. And then on that note, so where are you? Let's start to talk about this adventure that you've got yeah. coming up. And tell us all all about it. I'm, I'm really excited to hear.
0: So I am July 20th. In about 35 days, I'm going to bike across America. I'm going to start in Boston, Massachusetts, and I'm going to end in Los Angeles. And I'm calling it an athletic art installation because I'm using the athletic form of cycling to get from point A to point B and all the points in between and to get the attention and to have the accomplishment of biking 3,600 miles. But I also want anyone who's paying attention to this to say, okay, there's something more here. There's more than just someone biking across the country. There's the conversation surrounding wellness and making it accessible and encouraging individuals to invest in themselves. So to do that, the art piece is I'm releasing original writings every Sunday. And every Wednesday, I'll be releasing 10 new portrait photos that I take across America in a series that I'm going to call This Is America. On Friday, there's going to be just fun dance videos wherever I am. And then on Tuesdays, my friends um, in wellness and also in the music industry are going to be curating playlists. And it'll be under the guys like, hey, this is what Richie's riding to this week. So anyone who's paying attention to the ride sees, initially they see, man riding across America. But if they stay for one day or two days and pay attention, they say, oh, hey, look at this, what he's writing about. There's something here, like, I can relate to this. It has the spirit of alliance with it. Or, wow, this music's really great. I'm gonna dance or maybe move to this. Wow, look at these images of, this is what my country looks like, this is who we are. We are not as divided as the media headlines are telling us we are. And then Friday dance video to have fun. And the second part of this is the impact. There's a company that's going to be partnering with me for this called Vistro and they do gourmet plant-based meal delivery service. So rather than you have to assemble it yourself, it comes all assembled, you can freeze it. And what, what I loved about them was that they're making it accessible. You know, they're tailoring to how can a low-income family eat plant-based So we're going to raise meals across the country rather than money. They've created three meals that it's like, if anyone wants to support, they go and like, Hey, I'll, I'll buy three meals and we'll donate them to organizations feeding the hungry and feeding the homeless across the country. So it, it all, it all comes together. Um, And I'm just, I'm, I'm super excited about it, but also I'll tell you candidly, I'm terrified as well. You know, I've been, I start from Boston and go to New York and then Cleveland, Indianapolis, and St. Louis, pretty populated areas. You know, I'll be able to go to a whole foods or a Walmart and get some food every day, charge my phone at a cafe to get from St. Louis to Denver is I think like 800 miles through Kansas and it's flat, which is great for the bike, but it's rural. And that's the part where it's like, Hey, that's 20 days with me in my mind. And then from Denver to Las Vegas is right through the Rockies up two or three miles of elevation. And then through like the Moab desert. And then from LA from Las Vegas to LA will be just a sprint. So it's, it's going to be challenging. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm excited to document it and share it and have all these conversations and Designed it so I can. You know, I'm only going to be doing about 45 to 55 miles a day, so I'm off the bike at maybe 10 or 11 every morning, and I get 10 hours to hang out in this community. I'm going to go to the grocery stores, the post office, the cafe, and meet everyone, and just say, "Hey, I'm riding across the country. I'd I'd love to have tea with you. I'd love to go on a walk with you. Can I join you on your errands today?" You know, and Jeez.
1: And, and I think that's such a nice way to do it because there is a temptation with these things is to do you know travel as much mileage or as you can every day and then actually you're just sort of on the bike all the you could be yeah. doing peloton in, in many ways whereas um getting off the bike as you say 10 11 o'clock and meeting the local people it reminds me a little bit of is it um the art of zen and the motorcycle mechanic i don't know if you know that book but it's no, quite I a it's a bit of a yeah, they go on a bit of a, a trek around uh the US. It's just a really interesting book. But if you get a chance to listen to audio or whatever or yeah. bike, check it out. I'll, I'll send you a recommendation. It's a really it's a really nice book. It's sort of a bit philosophical, it's a bit of a father-son thing if I remember. It's just really good. I think it's it's worth checking out anyway. Oh, that's
0: special Yeah, I but definitely I'm- will and one thing I'll add too on this ride is about the mileage per day. Is it this ride is anchored in the word accessibility and accessibility to me is affordability, convenient. Can I, like any person, any age, gender, race, sexuality, income level, can that person get get in my shoes and say, yes, I can do this. So I look at everything with that. It's like, I look at health and wellness. I look at sobriety. I look at meditation and the answer is yes. All of this stuff is extremely accessible. In most cases, you save money. You'll spend less money. And money is a, is a very important driver for a lot of people. It's like, hey, how do I feed myself? How do I pay rent? But also what money sometimes does is if you're living a certain lifestyle, you then will pick the job that gives you the money just to support that lifestyle, even if it's out of alignment. So I come back to for this ride, specifically accessibility. And I've started to look through everything in life through this lens of accessibility, you know, can everyone do this? And everyone can bike 30 to 40 or 50 miles in a day. You know, you can just cruise.
1: Yeah, and get that experience of seeing America, seeing your own people and connecting. Because I think this is back to that connection thing as well. I think it's so important to show that as well, visually through your story. Um, but also for people in general, because I think connections, one of those pillars that I was talking about right at the start of this, it's it just hushed out of our psyche. And I'm,
0: and I'm sure you have the science. I'm sure you have science and journals behind it about, but I, I've read like the Blue Zones book and the work about what they're doing there. And they talk about how community is a key to longevity, you know, getting around and creating those tribes and having those social support groups is something that we just don't think about and invest our time in but they are absolutely critical to our health and wellness and i think it's oh, and
1: there's there's uh, johan harry's latest book connections is really interested he was on uh, the ritual podcast as well um saying the same thing right that a lot of i think this cultural malaise that we're going through and depression all these things i think in his opinion, from the research and whatnot that he's seen, is linked back to this lack of connection. There's another lovely book called Bowling Alone by Robert Putnam, I think it is, which okay. again is, is about America. It's about the the demise of the bowling leagues in America that there's just mm. people are not getting together like they used to, and and it's the same. It's the same culture all over the world. It appears the same in the UK. Like you just see it, like these sort of connections and communities are just breaking down, and I think that's behind addiction i think it's a Mm -hmm. behind depression i think it's behind a lot of these things and even what we do at one you know beer very much is trying to build that community back up again Mm -hmm. although it's virtual it's online it's still an amazing community of people that come together to connect with like-minded people and you can feel it you can sense it that's what people are craving so i just love the idea that you're not only traveling, but it's not just about get my head down. I've just got to get from A to B. You want to stop and meet and speak. I think it's going to be one of the most wonderful experiences of your life. I bet it transforms your thinking going forward.
0: Yeah. I, <laughs> when, when I talk about it, I don't share that as much. But, you know, I, there's a bit of selfishness in this where I want to experience this. I don't know what's going to happen on October 11th when I am waking up back in Los Angeles in my bed. I, if I have no plans to work on something beyond that, build this, it's like, I'll do some writing, but I don't know what's going to happen. And that's going to be so cool to digest everything during and after this ride and, you know, talk to myself and say, what, what, what's next? Like, what do I really want to be doing? And I think this ride will be some sort of like, delivering this clarity and um throughout the experience so that's that's something i i can't wait to experience that
1: yeah it reminds me a little bit of something that i'm obsessed about at the moment is the camino way you know the i'm not sure if you're familiar with that it's it's a long walk that they okay. do in europe through france and into spain
0: oh is this it's it's is it Related to religion at all?
1: Yeah, yeah. It, it was yeah, okay, traditionally yeah. a religious walk. It's not, I think, yeah. only about 20% of the people that actually walk it now is for religious reasons. But um, it's just this chance to be alone or, you know, the solitude with other people, but the motion of walking, the challenge, and through that experience just trying to find a bit more meaning and purpose in life. And I think when you do these adventures, these longer adventures like you're doing, I think that's what happens. I'm desperate to go and do one of these yeah. myself.
0: You know what's really interesting is so the the walk and this ride, it's like when people declare that they're doing something and they're looking to or they're seeking purpose and, and greater meaning of life. I draw parallels with sobriety, that there's a stigma attached to it. If you say you're sober, there's the stigma that something's gone horribly wrong in your life. And you're like, shit, you hit rock bottom, you mess something up in order to be sober. Same with if you're seeking something, a greater purpose in life or finding meaning. If you tell that to someone, initially, they're like, Oh, like, are you okay? Like, are you going through something? It's like, (laughs) I am, I am incredible right now. It's just like, I have this growth mindset. I want more. I want to consume more. I want to seek more and get to these higher levels of existence here. And that's, that's just another, another narrative where it's like, Hey, nothing went horribly wrong for me to choose sobriety, but I really wanted to see what else is out there. What else can I achieve? Same thing with when you take the time to, you know, talk to yourself and, and go on that walk or go on a ride, um, so I yeah, think the work you guys do just really is updating narratives across the board.
1: Yeah, and exactly. I think we're just giving people an opportunity to do something a bit different. And it's a bit, it's the same with, um, if you're in middle age, for example, and you decide to do any of this stuff, there is the stigma. It's like, it's a midlife crisis. Oh, there you go. Oh, he's having it. it's like, no, it's not. It's like an awakening, which is connecting yeah. with the important things in life. Again, we've figured it out now in middle age to actually There's more to this life than meets the eyes. And very much, I think we share a similar story, giving up alcohol, actually wrong word, taking a break from alcohol, whatever it is, was the gateway to a lot of this stuff, Mm -hmm. right? Because it gives us that clarity. It gives us that opportunity to really think and go, do you know, what is it I actually want to do? And very often you've got no idea. Therefore, I think a quest, a journey, a walk, a bike ride, sometimes that's the thing that gives you the space to unlock something in your brain, that meaning and purpose. I think it's super exciting.
0: I agree. I, I, wrote, I, wrote, an, I wrote like a, a letter to, to my friends and family, maybe a couple months ago now. And I titled it, I have 73 years left to live. This is when I was 27. And I said it, it I was like, I want to live to 100. That means I have 73 years left to do. And when I wrote it, I wasn't quite sure my beliefs in what happens after death. You know, is there reincarnation? Do we take another life form? Is there another thing? I don't have the answer to that. All I know, the only truth I know is that, hey, if I'm going to make it to 100, then I have 73 years. And I sat and I was like, shit, that's, that's not enough time for everything I want to do. So I, I got to get going on it. So it's not these, like, these crisis moments or these, like, altering your path. There's just so many different things that I want to build and create and work on and be a part of in this life that I look at and say, hey, the clock is ticking in a way. Let me start doing it all. You know, Let me see what I can accomplish and what I can build. And that definitely comes down to where was I wasting time? Where was time getting taken away from me? Where was I investing my time and resources that was not serving me? And getting in alignment was a critical part of that, was choosing sobriety.
1: Absolutely. And you've, you've really nailed it there. And it's Seneca that comes to mind. And I always quote Seneca, but he always says that the, the uh, philosopher it's not mm-hmm. that we don't have enough time, it's that we waste so much of it. Mm. that's so true whether you're 26 56 66 76 it's the same thing right it's about re-evaluating where am i wasting time because time is precious and if i'm wasting it remove those things from your life and inject back in the things that give you time back like meditation like taking a break from alcohol these things you know i read a great stat about meditation that apparently we spend 50 percent of our waking lives dreaming into the future or back into the past so if you want to double your life expectancy, start <laughs> meditating, right? That's the way I look at it. You can almost double it. If you're not present 50% of the time, then the more you meditate and connect with the present moment, the longer in theory, you know, your your sort of your time in the present moment on the
0: planet. There, I think it would if if anyone conducts a study on the millennial generation or, or people around my age, and they figure out a way to evaluate how much time is being wasted with um, excess alcohol use or excess social media or television and factor in some time for leisure just for people to take a break. But I do believe it would be a shocking daily number and even more shocking weekly number and even Mm -hmm. like a startling yearly number where you'd be like, hey, you waste probably about three hours a day probably about 20 hours a week and maybe over a year you're wasting 30 days and it's just like when you think of it that way wow it's
1: i've actually seen some stats some really interesting stats from a uh, a lady that we do some work with laura um i can't think of a second name shine online so she's seen me these graphs showed me these graphs and they're, they're fascinating and it said that our actual like time our like leisure time hasn't changed over the last 10 years right but all the stuff behind that, where we would have been just spending some sort of free time just chilling out and whatnot, used to be broken up into all sorts of different parts and like phone uses and so social media was barely a like blip on that graph but now it 's almost one hundred percent is the social media or the phone or whatever, so we still keep this little bit of like leisure time for, for like ourselves, but basically yeah. social media's just encroached on absolutely. Everything else. And then it's that leisure time then is filled with drinking or whatever it is. Do you know what I mean? As you say, you compound that over time. All of a sudden, pretty much a hundred percent of your waking hours are being sort of wasted on stuff, or it's work, wasteful stuff, drinking. There's nothing left. But imagine it's like a superpower when you step back from that and suddenly maybe you become more mindful of your usage of social media you stop drinking you start to meditate a bit and suddenly you like get back into that zone it's beautiful i love it i I love what you're doing i'm so excited so where can we find out a bit more about you and follow this great adventure that you're on
0: yeah so the the ride website is wildbutwell.com backslash the wellness ride and i'll be putting out content mainly through instagram facebook linkedin but It'll all be rooted on that website, and I think Instagram is probably the best form of social media because um, I will kind of da- do daily directions on where I am, and that, that handle is at Ricky Tickles. And there's going to be a lot of documentation through Medium. I absolutely love Medium as a platform, and I've challenged myself that it's more than just a blog, You know, there, that's where I'm going to be doing the photo gallery. That's where I'll be uploading videos in a daily diary because it directly embeds photos and videos. I was like, Hey, this is more than a blog. I'm going to use this as an actual feed. So I'll be doing a daily diary there. There's, but all that information will be found on the wellness ride.
1: The wellness ride. Yeah. And Ricky tickles. I like that. That's a great name. What's the, what's the story (laughs) behind Ricky tickles
0: in college? It was Richie Shakes because I was dancing a lot, and I, one summer, started introducing myself to people as Ricky, just because I wanted to, it, it sounded like a bit more of a fun name, energetic, and one night, I was just going through what rhymes with Rick, and I was like, Rick, Bick, Sick, Fick, Hick, mick, Tick, Rick, Tick, Ricky, Tick, Rick, Tick, boom, there it is, and then added the Z on for flavor and just have kind of rolled with it. Even like aunts and uncles will call me it now. I'm just like, that's really, really? yeah, yeah. It's
1: oh, a I, love it. I love it. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you. And what we'll do is when you get to the end of the ride, um, maybe sort of mid late October, we'll get you back on because so I think that'd be cool to have Hell this yeah. conversation. Um, Hell yeah, I'll be following the whole way and uh, cheering you on. I might even try and at some point get over and uh, meet hey, you at yeah. once. One- Right, that'd if, you become-
0: are, if you're in the States between July 20th and October 10th, you have an open invitation and I will figure out a way to get you a bike so you can pick up, drop off. That is, that goes for anyone too. Anyone who wants to bike with this, come on, let's do it. Like I am, this it. is a massive community gathering, whether it be online at home or in person, I'm, I'm here for it all.
1: You're a star. All right. Well, everyone follow online. Let's do this.
0: All
1: right. Thank you, Andy. Thank
0: you. Thanks for listening to the One Year No Beer podcast. For a full list of episodes and to join in the challenge
1: yourself, head on over to dot OneYearNoBeer.com. One